Hello, hello, Jan Zeffelt. The Germans hello. are talking in English now. The Germans. Hello, yes. Markus. <laughs> hey, good to see you again. I think yeah, it, very good. Very good to see you. We we saw each other every we see each other every couple of years. No, it was cafe. actually last. It was actually last year, right? In uh, yeah, when you had uh, like this one show in Berlin and uh, with yeah. Like, 40 seats or something, which was rather funny. Yes, it was it was fun, and 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 I was at your concert in in Zurich with Devin Townsend. I, it was okay. uh, in December 2019, before yeah. COVID. Yeah, before before and after COVID. The question is: right. is, there, is there really an after COVID? I don't think so. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's be let's be optimistic that no, I'm, least, I'm yeah. optimistic, but it's not it's not going to be after. It's going to be with COVID, yeah. you know. So that's what yes. I mean by that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, probably. Hey, how, how old is a child now? Oh, he's five. He's, he's five. five. He's so cute. He's so cute. Just yesterday, we had a, I had one day of, uh, uh, yeah, we had uh, we played with his little cars. He's mad about his tiny cars, and and he like he likes to drive. I, I, I get a car sharing cabrio. He wants always to drive cabrio with me. And yes, it was beautiful weather, so I was getting my son into. We were just riding through Munich in beautiful autumn with a BMW Cabrio. So, <laughs> great, great. Yeah, you know, like I would like to use this opportunity to talk with you um, really about anything, really, whatever uh, comes up. It's like, you know, this format <laughs> I'm doing here is completely open. And, uh, okay. And, um, You know, like I'm, I was trying to, you know, to think. Um, I mean, we've we've talked for a few hours, like or many hours already, like you know, whenever yeah. we met. But but there's certain things that I really don't know uh, about you, which I'd be really interested in, like especially mm -hmm. what is like your like your your earliest musical upbringing and like your musical influence. I know it's kind of like. Uh, a standard question, but you know, if mm -hmm. we if if we ask if we have that question, you know, within our uh, you know within musicians, it's something else to ask that question. So, what what really uh, made you made you fall in love with music? To ultimately fall in love with music was actually when I was a teenager, uh, with uh, 15, 16 years, but. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my uh, my mom she sent me to to uh, to cello classes, and uh, I well it was kind of a nice thing. I mean, first I learned the recorder like every child, and then my recorder teacher said, "Oh, my husband he plays the cello, and oh, you're so cute, uh, you cello. I think I see the cello with you, something like." And my mother liked the idea about the cello, so um, I took up cello, and it was nice, but it was never a real passion. So I, I uh, played it for eight years and uh, practiced, but well because I had to practice and uh, yeah. um, it, 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 there was some fun times. I played in school orchestras and, and, uh, um, and, and some other orchestras. Um, 
and it was um, yeah, it was a good good for my skills for my uh, fingers and and the coordination uh, for reading music. This was a a, a basic thing. Um, but uh, important thing for later, but uh, the ultimate love for music uh, so that I wanted to do nothing else than music came with the electric guitar uh, when I was 16. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it was uh, the rock music. Uh, the, this was the like heavy metal boom and hard rock boom, the early nineties mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses, Metallica, ACDC. So um, one day, um, I, I just uh, I got my my very first album was uh, on audio cassette. Uh, a friend he copied me. Uh, he had a copy of Back in Black from ACDC. I listened to it like uh, three times, four times, four five times a day. And and the first thing, yeah, when 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 someone told me. Um, uh, or asked me to be. I was in a in a school choir, and and there was a friend of mine who wanted to have a singer in his band, and he knew me, and he said, "Well, do you want to be a singer in our band because you sing?" And I said, "Well, yeah, if I, but I actually I want to play guitar, so uh, something like this. Oh, okay, you can." Uh, if you if you sing, you can also play some guitar to it. And, wow, okay. So that was the moment when I told my mom and she um, bought me an electric guitar. So And, and I started learning riffs by ACDC and my first tabs were ACDC riffs, later Metallica riffs. So this was my law. Uh, and, and I got obsessed with music. One year later, after all this rock and metal uh, stuff, I, I got... Um, uh, there was uh, we, we had an we had a big band at school a jazz big band, and um, we had one teacher who was very active in uh, getting the students into uh, to to listen to jazz music and go to jazz concerts. So actually listen to the concerts, and he he organized um, uh, he organized um, like um, a bus to go with. With, with students to a concert and then go back or or um, he organized these trips to concerts and these this was my, my and, and he was also trying to get music uh, uh, like uh, students who were already playing an instrument to get them to play in the big band so he was a jazz messenger or whatever he cried <laughs> uh, and and I was one of one of uh, the students who got uh, into this and he organized jazz workshops with uh, jazz musicians at, at the school too so um, that's when I got in, in touch with jazz and uh, so I, I went to these concerts one of my first concerts was a jazz concert where, where the Brecker brothers back then the out of the loop tour in I think it was 92 or something 93 uh, or 94 something like that and it was um, still one of my most uh, important uh, um, it has a big had a big impact uh, up to this day just remember remembering this concert by the Brecker brothers and uh, listening to Dean Brown was playing guitar and I never I, I will never forget how he was uh, holding his guitar how he's uh, how he was um, 
uh, some of even some of the riffs he was playing. I remembered all of that, and and how uh, Michael Brecker played his uh, his MIDI saxophone, the EV, mm-hmm. uh, and this is uh, was very important uh, for later. Um, this my, my first uh, experience with jazz rock fusion music, and um, I back then I didn't have any idea about. Uh, are what are these guys doing? Are they improvising? Are they well, what, what's the difference? I didn't know even there's a difference between playing a theme and improvising. This was like one one thing for for me. I didn't uh, I got when I got into jazz later. I recognized that I I could uh, distinguish between that. But back then it was just uh, I had no idea. But so- still. The impression of this concert by the Brecker Brothers was uh, was a big one. Um, I can imagine. So everything went really quick from like having had cello lessons and then suddenly discovering yes. metal, getting an electric yeah. guitar, and you said a year later, uh, your yes. teacher took you, like then started taking you yes. to a jazz concert. So, so um, right. So and did you, taking did up you, jazz. Taking jazz uh, guitar, like learning, uh, going to jazz guitar workshops and learning about jazz guitar too. And also starting playing a local jazz band, trying to get behind all these chord changes. And I also joined the school big band. So trying to sink into the music of jazz, it was, I was obsessed with it. And I Mm -hmm. I recognized this is something that I I really want to do. Uh, I want mm-hmm. to do nothing else than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a, cup, a couple of years later, but I always before that, I always wanted to be something similar to what my dad was doing. He's, he's a, he used to be a scientist, uh, physicist, um, mm-hmm. plasma physics and um, researcher. And uh, then I took up, I even took up for my parents. It was their wish for me to pick up something to get a real job, you know, and uh, uh, then I studied mechanical engineering, but I, I, uh, one year after studying into that, I realized um, I only want, actually what I want to do is play just music. (laughs) So I I, um, decided to, Take, an, take a chance for an entrance examination uh, in, uh, for music. And eventually I got into, into Graz, into the jazz department there and studied, picked up jazz guitar, dropped my mechanical engineering. And from that day on that I got into, uh, admitted to the school in Graz back then in 2000, in, in 99, I was for me, or 98, I was, from that day on, it was really like 100% music <laughs> hey, which, yeah. in which year were you born like 78 or something or 17 77 77 yeah <laughs> okay yeah, yeah yeah i see yeah and so like just because i want to understand better so the the cello mm-hmm. of uh, the cello you dropped that like you were just yes. you know just stopped going to the classes or um... yeah it, it, uh, when it was like there was one year uh, layover between cello and guitar <laughs> okay. and I I, I, I bec- if, if it was just the cello because uh, at that time you could choose at school if you want to focus on music and maybe go to a music school later or start a musical career you can go to a grammar school which specializes in music and there, there was at one point they were looking for music students and they said hey you play the cello why why don't you 
uh, um, go to these classes or uh, to specialize in music. And I said, but with cello, I wouldn't have done that. It was my passion. With guitar, I would have, but back then it was not like uh, possible. Uh, I wasn't far enough with guitar. And uh, I, back then I didn't think of it, um, being a professional musician. I could actually do it. I just realized in one, two years that I want to do nothing, nothing else. So, uh, but the, the cello was never the ultimate passion. I, but I still um, benefit from having learned the cello and, and yeah, having yeah, for learned sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's unavoidable, I guess, like in hindsight, <laughs> if you think about it, having played a, a fretless instrument, you know, like for your ear. It must right. be uh, yeah. something, something really, uh, and I'd like your basically the relationship between your ear and your your hands, kind of like yes. this idea that you need to fret properly to uh, get the right pitch. Absolutely, yes, and also uh, getting to yeah, like because what I've always been doing is uh, working with orchestras, like big bands, or also. Um, orchestras like modern orchestras who also use electric guitar um, it was uh, this kind of work and, or musicals or whatever uh, um, yeah it was um, I still it was um, important to already have some expertise with, with this kind of work so Hey, I can, I can feel your obsession right you know I can feel it, your obsession with music which is yes. uh, wonderful. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, so, because I'm, I'm just curious. So, you said it was the electric guitar. So, mm -hmm. do you do you remember? It was it the sound of the electric guitar first. So, was it hearing metal, or was it actually having a guitar in your hands, which kind of electric no. guitar in your hands? It was one one particular evening or one particular thing that brought me to it. It was, uh, we were uh, in a, with, with, I was in the choir and uh, we were at a, at a camp with the choir and the big band and the, those big band guys, they were jamming in the evenings and they were, uh, and I didn't, I was never at a rock concert before, so I didn't know how loud actually rock music can become. And this was so important up to this day, um, uh, this was the maybe one of the most important impacts. Um, uh, hearing those guys jam like on knocking on heaven's door or whatever, and they had this. And, and I had the, this friend of mine. He was playing electric guitar. I have, had never uh, watched him play actually, but he was in this band. He he, re he was really good already for his for his uh, age and. Uh, he was playing great lead and rhythm guitar and it was so powerful. They were jamming and I thought, wow, it can, music can get so much power and the distorted guitar can, uh, can transport so much energy. I mean, I guess it's something that in a much bigger style, people, maybe some people were uh, uh, realizing it uh, when hearing, I wasn't there, but I, I can imagine like hearing, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix cram, uh, crank up his amps in Woodstock and uh, blowing <laughs> people's minds and with all this uh, with yeah with the, lo the loudness uh, the, the loudness as a major important 
uh, ingredient for for um, uh, transporting the music and um, yes. and that was uh, since that day uh, that was the day when I decided I want to pick up electric guitar and that's up to now it's always been important for in every kind of music that I play it has to that this loudness is is something that is important to me to be not not only loudness but but also the possibility to become loud or this is a expression means of expression as a important important part of expression uh, and i want to the people to be exposed to this loudness um, are you talking about the the physical Yes, the physical, sound. the physical power. That's why in the whole Corona uh, thing, like uh, having these online shows and and whatever, this had made no sense to me because I want my my audience to be exposed to physical, uh, this physical, not violence, but whatever power. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is essential. If if you don't have that, uh, it 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 means nothing to me, or or not half of it. Well, maybe some uh, there is music that works that way, but if I I want to if I want to express myself, it has to be this physical element of yeah. of distorted or uh, amplified loud music. That was always yeah, exactly. that's that's the word, the, you know, the amplification. I think. You know, because like I've never thought about it, but what you just said, I think, is very, very true for me as well. Um, mm -hmm. With the with the electric instrument, where like basically you you're just playing like a bing, you know, like yeah. like the one, but the 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 power that comes from the amplification of that small sound, that is quite something because it it sort of works like a magnifying glass. So like yes. you have this the small movement, the small. Uh, vibration and it, it explodes and and uh, yeah I, I love exactly. that too yeah and then you have the uh, how do you say the wechselwirkung the um, <laughs> you, you, you can <laughs> uh, it comes back to you uh, the power mm -hmm. comes back to you and and it starts uh, like resonating. Yeah, yeah, resonating yeah it starts yeah, yeah. resonating mm -hmm. and this is my the ultimate uh, this is the reason why I I perform music because uh, uh, because I want to transport this energy. So that's why uh, certain musical styles are nice to play, and it's it's nice to um, to play in a jazz cafe and play some in the background some nice uh, uh, um, music and. Uh, um, that's that's okay that's totally okay but that's not why i picked up this instrument i picked up this yeah. instrument for about because it's about this and this is what a, my band for instance was always what i'm known for is i'm always the guy who's too loud <laughs> i mean <laughs> since, since you have in ears um this is not a topic anymore but uh, back then when we played with uh with uh, wedges and with uh, with uh, boxes I was uh, one of the guys who was always asked to turn down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to ask you about the in-ears because like you know whenever I talk with people who have not had the experience of using in-ears mm. like the first argument they bring is that they think they will lack the physical feedback mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. if it goes through the ear. 
uh, not doesn't go through the air really like you know that's exactly. the difference right um what is your what is your take on that now it's an ongoing thing but i think now uh we found something really awesome um Yeah, of course, you start experimenting. We started, I picked up experimenting with or playing with Ineos maybe 10 or 12, 12 years, something ago. And it's always, um, there are always good things about it, bad things about it, and um, or upside and downsides to it. But, um, um, The solution we have now is, I think that's great. We, we're using with Panzerballet, with my band, we have, we need to have, uh, we have uh, songs with click tracks. So we need, we have to have the in-ear and it's always the major benefit is to have to play loud, distorted music, but it's, it's always accurate. This is the benefit of it, but um But of course, it's lacking this uh, physical power. So what what we do now is what I do now is I use an I use in ear, but I still use an amp that's mic'd, and I still crank up the amp. So I have both uh, thing. So uh, both it's uh, maybe it's a compromise. I don't crank it up that loud, so to to have a, a the stage sound under control for the sound guy, but. But uh, it's the best. It has been the best solution uh, using real amps, which are mic'd with, but still, uh, or yeah, using. Um, pardon me. Now I for yeah. It, uh, it's it's um, it's a mix. My sound is a mix of a modified amp, like a digital processor. I have the XFX and my angle amp, which goes through a. Bo uh, power amp and a box which is mic'd so I have both signals sometimes I combine them sometimes I use only one of them but uh, I always have a sound on stage so because I've, we found out when not having a box just you, you just have the direct sound going through the front of house then uh, and, and we but what also became important is taking videos from yourself and posting them. So, but uh, putting the, uh, putting your phone next to you when you don't hear yourself on stage, you just hear the drums doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, another reason why, why it's good to, to actually have something, some, something, some amp on stage, which, which makes a sound. Of course, yeah. and and you know, like people standing very close to the stage, they only hear the drums. They don't hear the the guitars. You know, you need to be further back. Right. To, to how how do you do it? How do you uh, do it? Like for for me, for me, the ideal, uh, like what you just said, is ideals to have like at least a wedge on stage, so to have some some uh, physical uh, presence of the of the sounds on stage. So like with the with the trio, for example, you know, just have the the drummer have wedges and you know i have in ears and that's perfect really like so that keeps okay. the level that keeps the level on stage down but there's mm -hmm. still like the, the the signals start gelling better they kind of like merge into one thing if you have the you know some bleed happening and so right. that's why right. that's why i also i i kind of like prefer even to have some bleed in the drum mics um mm -hmm. makes everything easier you know it will will you know it, you know the The mix engineer only has to bring up like those, you know, like stereo drum kit, let's say, and some 
two guitars, you know, guitar and mm -hmm. bass, and that's it. If you if you have in ears and two wedges on stage, I think that's the perfect solution for me. Like amplify an amplifier for myself, I don't need it. I okay. I feel I feel that a wedge is is enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it has, it has, also it has, in it has, your, yeah. In your trio uh, too. So in your trio situation, so you have a, a guitar, bass, and drums, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And. I mean, yeah, so for uh, uh, if there's anything with the click, then obviously all all people in the band need in ears, you know. Mm -hmm. But this 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 most recent uh, trio that I had put together, we played with the, the you know, we didn't play with a with a click. Um, so it was perfect. The drummer didn't have in ears, mm -hmm. we had in ears, and that was sort of like it was an amazing experience actually because if you you know like if if the stage sound is low enough so that you can bring up the overheads into your in-ears mm -hmm. and basically you kind of like you hear every single detail of what the drummer does um and you hear yourself direct through the in-ears mm -hmm. that that is sort of like great for me and what i have also figured out if the if the show is loud enough so if the front of house is loud enough I still get the physical feedback of the uh, the instrument sort of like interacting with the room, um, you know, but the sound in the room needs to be loud enough. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, and and then in smaller clubs, like sometimes I really enjoy it a lot. Like I get get shocked sometimes when I'm standing too close to the main speaker and my instrument actually actually feedbacking with the, mm -hmm. with the speaker. And and it it does feel good, I have to say. But then when I don't have it, I I don't miss it anymore. It's like with you know these modern processors that have really good um, good good compressors and stuff. Um, you know, like you get the end to sustain it uh, anyway. You don't need you don't need physical feedback anymore. I think. Okay. Okay. Uh, just uh, one interesting thing. I, I wonder also if, if you have come across this uh, thing because it's happened to me uh, several times. You have found a solution for yourself, uh, like a sound solution, uh, or you, you, you had one and then you switched to a different one. And uh, after a couple of years, you go back to the old one and you realize the old one was much better. <laughs> and uh, how could I <laughs> fall for this trick or whatever? Um, I, I was uh, think I was um, uh, mich, ich habe mir eingebildet, uh, I was uh, uh, um, I believed <laughs> I believed, I believed that this was, this new thing was the, the best to do, but, but this was for myself and uh, back in I think 2010 or something, switching everything, selling all my gear, my, my amps, uh, my tube amps, and uh, just using the digital processor and uh, using it for two years. And then, but, uh, and, and then one day I played on, on a, after a couple of years, I played on a real amp again. And so I thought, my goodness, this is so <laughs> much better. How could I? Because there's uh, there used to be a latency in this digital pro processor, and which wasn't there in the amp. And, and, and same thing goes to this physical power when uh, I one day on stage, it was, I remember it was a show in Vienna and my in-ear, it broke down or the, the, the plug, it broke, something broke in my earplug. So mm -hmm. I had to play without earplug. I had to hear myself from the front of house. Mm 
<laughs> and um, and I realized two things. Oh, oh my goodness, I cannot play that exact anymore because we play very loud and ex but very accurate. But yeah. on the other side, I thought, my goodness, I missed something for years. The power you get from uh, from uh, if you don't play with the in years, if you play with the real uh, uh, only the physical power. Uh, this was blowing me away i thought wow that's so good i mean like uh um the combination of uh, having of, of playing accurate and powerful yeah uh, and if you have an accurate band like Miss Sugar, for instance or whatever uh, who, who play powerful and accurate and uh, this transports so much energy and power that's that's my um that's always been one of my main intentions to produce Uh, power and second element is is the accuracy and yeah, uh, yeah that's my thing <laughs> yeah, you know i i really um have to say i don't want to go back not to use in-ears because like my hearing was really suffering when oh, i was mine when I too was, you know and like there was yeah. were these times where like my ears felt as if there was water in them like after mm -hmm. really loud shows and yeah. And it was the time, like about 10 years ago, when <laughs> Tony Levin, he was already going slightly deaf and he had like these, like, <laughs> like three speakers and two monitors, like, like mm -hmm. five, five speakers around him <laughs> on the floor. And it was so horribly loud and Pat Maslow plays extremely loud and, and uh, yeah, it wasn't great. So, but now with the in-ears, uh, I have to say, I can play a show and after the show, I can still talk to people at a normal level and mm -hmm. still understand what they say. And that has been very good for me. And here's one other thing I want not to forget. Um, I think the, you know, the guitar that one is using is also important in this equation with the in-ears, because like, if you have a, a guitar that is very, uh, it's quite dead in its vibrations, as you know, like some instruments are deader than others. But like mm -hmm. I have been using a hollow body touch guitar for the last mm -hmm. six years or so. So it is extremely sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why anything that happens on stage, even if it's low volume, uh, already feeds back a little bit. And that's why mm -hmm. it feels great, you know? So I didn't okay. really wouldn't want to go back to a, a, a solid body, really, I think, because it's that it's that that it's nice to have the um, the hollow body with, you know, with that with that resonance that happens at low levels even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one other thing about volume and, and your, uh, your ears getting um, geschont, uh, uh, get, uh, uh, your ears don't, don't get this um, damage from in-ears as much as from wedges. But for myself, I don't know. It's... Um, I crank myself up in these in-ears sometimes. I have these really good, expensive in-ears that have, I, I don't know, a four-way system or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and I crank myself up in these in-ears because I want to have it loud. And it's, I don't think it's actually healthy, <laughs> the volume. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm turning up the in-ears, but... Um, But I think um, maybe uh, it's become better with my, now I'm over 40 and uh, maybe it, I, I became a little bit 
uh, more peaceful. Maybe it's not that damaging as it used to be. It's I, mm. I, I don't remember having um, ear noises after shows as as it used to be, maybe ten years ago. Mm. After uh, after ten years ago, like uh, playing three days of a tour, uh, my ears are already suffering badly. So this has become better. Yeah. 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 Wow, wow, wow. So like tours, um, tours are slowly coming back. And, uh, oh, yes. But uh, how, uh, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how would, how will this develop, especially mm. in Germany? I don't know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, we had, we had the, we met in 2020 at this tour. We had this year, we had a similar tour again with a way better, um, vibe, I would say, but still people were not coming to shows. It, it was, um, they could have come, but they didn't come. It's, it's, it will take, uh, because they were scared or they don't want to go out. They just got used to stay at home, but it will take, um, really more time, lots of more time until, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I played two shows in Czech Republic um, about a week mm -hmm. ago, mm -hmm. and the organizers, they were very happy about the turnout at our shows because there were like 250 people or so. Oh, that's uh, good. Which was, which was a lot because they said that normally the, like the, the percentage of sales they get compared to before COVID is about 10%, they said. Mm -hmm. so okay. That, that is shocking, right? Shocking, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. like, like going from the thousand uh, tickets to one hundred, that that basically means that a lot of shows will not happen anymore, right? Yeah, and it's especially if we're talking about you know like acts that usually have maybe between a hundred and three hundred people coming, you know? Right, right. Yeah, for instance, or also for uh, about uh, earning a living from live playing, which was always thing I wanted to do, but everything that I was what I wanted ever to do in my life going out uh, playing shows and going abroad playing shows everything of this is uh, not possible or has, has not been possible at all now it's coming back a little bit but but still uh, making a living from it I mean it was hard before that already but right now at the moment making a living from live shows yeah. yeah. What do you think? When when will we when will come back? You don't know too, right? No, there there are so many factors. You know, like like one of the the really sad for me the sad uh, realities that COVID uh, brings with with itself is that there's a generational change happening in so many uh, layers of the business. Let's say so. First of all, like obviously older musicians that lose like two and a half years of their touring life they may not go back on the road um mm -hmm. that's kind of like one thing which is um, yeah i mean it's 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 a big problem but then also on the level of the the booking agents or the club owners you know like the the people that uh, book the clubs the shows and clubs for example <clears throat> they may give up you know or have to do some other job and and then they suddenly they don't know anymore what who is or what is Panzerballett, right? 
Like mm -hmm. it's so even even the the connections you may have had and the opportunities you may have had suddenly they are like being erased or reset you could say. So and and I think that's something that we sh we should be should be kind of like aware of that it may happen. But I think it can go in either direction. It can be a very very bad thing where like a whole cultural movement uh, will get wiped out, or mm -hmm. or it means like a reset in a good way that there is going to be like uh, uh, better opportunities or like like that some that you can take the place of some other act somehow that has mm -hmm. kind of become uh, uh, yeah yeah like you know what I mean so so I think I think that's why I really don't know what to say or what's going to happen because the the big change has started and mm -hmm. and we will we will see what's what's going to happen I I believe for myself that there's that there is going to be a need for what I do I believe that there is an audience for it uh, that there is i mean i can only talk for myself here but i believe there is an audience there will be a need there will be some way in which uh, i can still play i really think mm -hmm. and, and you know but like i have had the privilege to play these these international tours uh with tony levin because he's so famous right so that's that's mm -hmm. the only reason why i've gotten to that to that place and um and I, I don't know how it was for you like you you seem like uh for you it, it seems from my perspective even even more unlikely that you managed to have an international uh, career with what you do i think it's great you know it's like it's like it's almost it's almost like a miracle you know yes <laughs> and, I, I, and so but the question is really like will how is this miracle going to uh, uh, continue or evolve in the in the near future yeah yeah that's that's a good question yeah. um, I I, I want to bring like Panzer Ballet I know there is market of, of course there's market in Germany but uh, there is also a market in the US for instance I want to try to as soon as this is possible, I, I want to to bring this to the U.S. as well, um, uh, or at least try it, play some some shows. Um, uh, I think you just have to keep trying. <laughs> I ne yeah. I'll, I'll never I'll never give give up. Um, I still believe in believe in that because what i was what i've been doing is so much influenced from from music that comes from from the states and yeah. i think um uh, i have something to say i have my own i created my own idea <laughs> of of uh um whatever what influenced me what was because from the beginning, you asked me about my influences. Uh, it was all like not only the Brecker Brothers, but all like American musicians uh, or bands acts like uh, New York-based The Screaming Headless Torsos or it was Virgil Donati with Planet X. Uh, in the early days, it was Dream Theater, but but later then it was and then Meshuga. Okay, that was that's the Swedish guys, but uh, still um, then the, all those fusion. Guys like uh, Frank Gambale and uh, Scott Henderson and yeah. um, and uh, Alan Holdsworth and all this fusion that came from there it influenced 
my music so much. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. So I, I think that Panzerballett would would have, uh, you know, there's there's a great audience there and mm -hmm. in the U.S. especially for for a, a very unique music. You know, like. The, it, there are a few things that I only learned over the years. So what is what is like the big difference between, say, Germany and the U.S.? Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, the U.S. is so much bigger. There are so many people there. And there has been this and there still is like this, the system of uh, college radio. And so that means that there there has been like um, more um, like curation from from people who are really in love with music at these uh, college radio stations. So, mm -hmm. so people kind of like grew up with a different relationship and, and much better access to music. So that's why there are, there's more prog music, say like uh, also on the East coast than on the West coast. And because of these, these, these radio, these DJs, but it's not like DJs like in Germany, where it was like only the public, uh, public radio. Right. So it mm -hmm. was like, private and uni universities and stuff like that and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that I, I think is kind of like still um you know the kind of audience that really appreciates and loves um something special and something unique and and it's so so i think that for panzerballet the us would be really they would really love you guys i really think so i believe so too but uh, the thing is you have to be there to get the attention or to be I present I, yeah i don't i don't know if that's if that's true i think like if you have the bonus of being uh like from germany right and yeah. you actually come there as a guest you yeah. have a you have a bad much better standing as somebody who's living there it's okay. also like it's also so? something it, yeah it's also something that i learned it's like the uh, that there is certainly a bonus to not living there oh it, okay yeah yeah and like for me any again like i'm in this fortunate situation to be in an american band with two americans right mm -hmm. so like for mm -hmm. me it's easy to say that but um but yeah there's there's an advantage to that and you know like before i joined stickman i was actually uh, seriously considering to move to the us and i i had plans to move to austin and mm -hmm. and then i joined the band and i realized okay i don't have to move here anymore because i'm touring with the american band in the us anyway and mm -hmm. i have i have this bonus of being exotic you know from germany mm -hmm. and and it was it was ideal so i i think i think that you don't necessarily have to be there but you have to have somebody there who uh gets you the gigs yeah you know, that's right. that's really that's really what what needs to happen you have to have that foot in the door somehow yes yes for sure but that's something i'm working on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's and this is what I'm saying. So maybe, maybe the future will will really bring things that we, we couldn't really believe would happen. Um, I say, like there's there's going to be quite a few bands that won't be touring anymore. Yeah, I really think so. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, it doesn't apply to me because I it's it's what I'm definitely living for and uh, what i'm striving to the most so i will you're also you're also young enough yeah okay that's right mm -hmm. 
but I'll do anything in my <laughs> all of my do everything I can to do to go back on tour. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so so just so right now just right now it's it's not very uh not even harder but but okay maybe maybe next year or whatever yeah have have you guys been asked to play on the on the pro cruise on the cruise ship have you ever gone no, asked never no? no no never but uh, i would have liked to but um we never got asked no but you could uh, I, i can ask them You can please, ask them. Please bring Panzerballet on the on the cruise. <laughs> That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there was one cruise ship. Uh, maybe there was one. Um, I think Mike Portnoy. He had a slot or something on a cruise ship, or maybe it was it was that crew. Uh, he had a slot for some of of, ba of the bands, and we I think we we could have. Uh, he chose some bands. Who could come there, go there and play? But uh, go there and play, you have to uh, uh, buy flight tickets, and you have to <laughs> you have lots of expenses before you go out on stage there. And uh, yeah, if you have yeah. musicians, and I'm in a situation when I have to pay the musicians that I, I have to pay them. Yeah. Also, because they, yeah, it's, it's a different, uh, we're not, not like a band. It's, it's a di dictatorship. So <laughs> I have the ideas, but I also have to pay for uh, bringing uh, or making them play my ideas. So, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's, you're, you're a band leader. You're yeah. a real yeah. band leader, which is, which again is like something that, uh, that, Uh, can be pretty scary, right? Like it's like running yeah. a company. It's running a company, and just yes. making sure making sure you making you have enough turnover that you can pay you can pay your your people, right? It's uh, it's quite and something. I, I, <laughs> actually, it's not nothing that I actually wanted to do to be a or had to do something to be a band leader. It, well, now it's nice to be, but. Also not on also I, what I actually want to do is play some awesome music and not care about anything else. Um, just uh, whether it is my music or other people's music, which is, which is great. Then I would totally be in it or like what you do, like playing with Tony Levin um, or something like this, being a sideman in an awesome group. That's, that's already would be already enough for me but um but no there is no call so i have to make it myself i have to um to make it for myself so i have to uh, i had to uh, write some songs some get some gigs make some organize some stuff and then um so there are the gigs but if i stop doing this nothing happens <laughs> so i i have yeah. to continue being the, that band leader <laughs> but, but, but Jan, along Jan, the way that, that, that is you know that is just amazing Jan. you know that that's really what what makes makes a real artist and as you say like you used the word that you were obsessed or that you are obsessed 
Um, totally. Which, which which is kind of like the connotation of that is kind of negative, like obsession, but you you could call it like love, you know, and you have a mm -hmm. love for what you do and you make everything happen that needs to happen. You you kind of like raise the money, you blah, 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 you write the music, you you get the musicians, you, 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 uh, you I don't know, like I'm sure you're doing almost every everything like you're playing the tours and whatever and and i think that's that's real dedication and that's kind of like that's kind of the kind of artist that is really absolutely uh how shall i say this like like a god kind of artist you know oh. like, like like some somebody who really who makes everything happen themselves because as as you say if you don't do it yourself, nothing's, nothing's going to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's a sad reality, you know, like, like my friend Leonardo, who is uh, also a booking agent for me. I um, know. He, Leo. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he, sometimes he posts these funny things uh, on Facebook actually. And the other day he posted something like, you may have a new website with a, with a store, but blah, blah, blah. If you don't promote If don't people don't know that you have a new store, nobody's gonna buy the, your music. And this is this is sort of like uh, absolutely true in in all regards when it comes to being an artist. Like it, no matter how much we don't want to sell ourselves, we have to. And if we don't do it, nobody's ever gonna listen to the music. Nobody's gonna e even know about it. And and that's why like you, I like your attitude a lot. And I think it's great that you like over you know like through all these years uh that you keep going and and, and that covid isn't stopping you and uh <laughs> no, for <yeah>. sure <laughs> but it, it was it was stopping me uh, at some time at some point uh i wasn't when i i was really um depressed uh knowing that i mean nothing Everything that I want to do is not is not possible, and you don't know when it ever will be come back. Will it ever come back? Uh, it's uh, this was depressing, and it it uh, I, I lost my motivation in creating music. Um, so that's why I took on this piece by Ligeti, uh, which is so uh, it's it's a piano uh, um, this piano etude, um, and I took it and. Um, took me uh well i'm still working on it. It, it it's i think it's yeah it's called the devil's staircase it's this is 50 bars 50 bars and it took me to rearrange um it for guitar and and uh, bass and drums to do this and uh practice it to have it at a certain at the tempo that's comparable to the original tempo because there there are some pianists who play it incredibly fast but um it took me one week per bar uh, and this thing has 50 bars so you can guess it's a work of a year but but i was doing only this for 20 weeks so i, I had 20 bars i had done and then some of the jobs came back so i i put that away again And now I got a scholarship. You have, uh, you have, you can apply for scholarships. And now I have from GEMA, they have a scholarship uh, for something you do with music or arrange or play. And, and I applied with doing the rest 30 bars 
they gave me some money to they uh, they agreed to it so now i i may finish that <laughs> that's what i'm doing now but it's it's not not a real real the, the kind of creative work i do with my own compositions but it's awesome work because it's it's it, it takes time but the music uh, by ligeti is that per particular thing is, is beautiful and i think it's uh, in, in interesting to It's something never has done before, taking this kind of piece, translating this into, into a sound that, that, that like with electric guitars, with distortion, with volume mm, and everything. Mm, mm. Yes, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, I, this was nothing cr really creative. This was just learning note by note, bar by bar, slowly. This was my way of dealing with COVID with, without any hope for playing live in the next future, just sinking into something I would never do without uh, that happening. I would never had the time and I uh, would never had, had get the idea of, of, of working on something that has such a slow progress. Mm -hmm. but, um, but now uh, I, I started it, now I will finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. You know, like yeah. you, you, you've just um, made me think about, you know, the definition of creativity. Um, and I have like had this thought or this feeling for a long time that that creativity can also be described as commitment. So that it's not necessarily about what you create, right? So it's not necessarily about writing music. But for mm -hmm. example, you can have a commitment that is like you say, you learn those 50 bars of music. Uh, which is a creative act because you're creating something inside you by doing that, you know, more so than just being able to play the piece, the process of learning that you go through as you do that is a creative act. So it's kind of like you're right. You're kind of rewriting your, your, your brain in a way, like you're re reprogramming, recreating something inside of you. And, and that's why I, I think what you're doing there is creative, you know, like, even though I know okay. what you mean, that it does, it's, you know, and, and for me, that has always been a big part of my, of my musical uh, ongoing training that sometimes I just practice and I don't write or, you know, mm -hmm. but then, then I go, the, you know, when I then go on stage after having uh, practiced for three months, let's say, and, And I suddenly see I'm starting to play something new, something different or something that I didn't expect or something that I thought I couldn't do before. And, and then it kind of like goes from being something that I worked on on the inside to something that also comes out on the outside. And so that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see what will happen to your writing or to, you know, to your future compositions mm -hmm. after having had that experience of learning uh, the Ligeti piece. Right, but you know what? My most favorite thing ever to do, besides being on tour, whatever. But uh, I think the the best, uh, my my best connection with music is having created an own composition. That and sometimes you have a good day or a bad day or something goes well, and or, or you find uh, you have the ultimate idea. And you bring it to paper, or in my case, to 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 your uh, computer and uh, or into Cubase, and you have it done. The piece is done, and it's amazing. But you can't play it yet. 
It's, <laughs> it's because I always try to write something that's challenging. And mm-hmm. then I may learn this piece of my, of, on the own creation. I'm privileged to learn this. This is so, so much fun and a challenge and, and uh, gives me so much to... And in the end, I will have something that I created and I also mastered something. So that's yeah. my, I think that's my favorite, uh, the favorite part that's um, in all of the process of creating, recording, whatever. Uh, this, this part is when it comes to grabbing the instrument and learning something. Uh, some some music which is also your own you created you you, you have to technically um, master it and mm-hmm. yeah that's my favorite thing to do I also like to master like with Ligeti stuff from from others from other compos uh, because the last album for instance Panzerballet album there were uh, lots of guest composers and it was awesome to learn their pieces mm-hmm. but uh, this was especially because I didn't have uh, I, uh, um, I didn't have any own ideas I wanted, or I wanted other ideas to uh, um, to see what others do with what they think of Panzerballet could sound and they gave me their compositions or they wrote for me something for me and I could I could learn it this was good too but the, still the best thing was learning your own stuff yeah. this was the uh, the most rewarding thing. Yeah, it's it's great because that also means that the uh, um, your your technical or like your instrumental uh, facility, let's say, does not hold you back in your writing. You know, so you right. so it's basically like two completely different persons. Let's say the person who writes and the person who then plays it or has to learn it. So I think that's. <laughs> that's that's wonderful if you if you can do that you know because i think like most you know in in the business like this is something else like in the music business uh is it's something where there's hardly time to rehearse for rehearsal because there's not enough money to pay for rehearsals right and and so what happens is that uh either you, you know you have great musicians who prepare at home so they 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 really know what they're doing they get together you have like an afternoon you play and everything is fine and but like this this time to actually learn something new to learn something that goes beyond what what people kind of like can do you know mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. and i totally agree that is that is the magical that is the magical moment when when you can actually have the time and it it is like it time is required that is kind of like the only thing you need that you know like on the other hand and i have to say this Sometimes I get really bored by by seeing these modern guitarists uh, who play stuff where, like, all I can think then when they, they play is, oh, okay, like, I just need to sit down for 10 years and play this same thing that you play, and then I can do it. So, and it gets boring to me also sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, to see that, like, but but I completely agree with you. Just having the the luxury to write something that you can't play and then learn it that is uh, incredibly satisfying. Yeah. And also, if you know, maybe you know this feeling that you uh, you created something that you're uh, you think is good enough now, or you can. This is something you can live with, or you or maybe you're proud of, or you you had luck. You were lucky and found. 
have have a new own piece and you realize oh my goodness this is going to happen i'm going to perform this because i have done it so much often before so there is no reason why i shouldn't do it with this this too so uh, i at, at that moment that i created i know oh my god this is awesome oh my god i'm going to perform it and i know it and this is cool <laughs> i don't know if you know that feeling but uh, mm -hmm. this is yeah. this is one of my favorite moments too in, mm -hmm. in, in, in this whole uh, process. Yeah. The, the moment you realize uh, you created it and you know you can pull it off, you will pull it off and you will bring it on stage. It's, people are going to listen to this, what you just did. <laughs> that's that's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's um, a little different because I'm also focusing a lot on improvisation. And when I say... Okay. Like for, for a lot of people, improvisation is something like, um, like for me, it is composition, right? So I'm working yeah. on, on composing in the moment. And mm -hmm. it's that, that is the most magical uh, aspect of creating for me. Because when I'm on stage and I play what other people would call a solo, right? Which for me is the composition. Um, I would then, as I, as I play it, I sort of become like almost a robot. Like I, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's very, very difficult. Like I, it's not that I'm making these conscious decisions. It's like, I'm letting my body play and I can, I can kind of like watch and listen to what my body does. But obviously since my body is active in that moment, I can't listen perfectly well. So that means that the listening back to the recording of uh, an improvisation is for me is like that, that wow moment where I listen to, dude, you, you know, like, and I say like, wow, what an amazing melody. Like, and it's, it's like usually the melodies that come out when I improvise are, are melodies that I could not write. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's why I'm so interested in, 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 in finding them that way, because writing them would be so incredibly difficult. Right. But then yeah, okay. my, my body went put into the situation like, uh, you know, of now you have to play on top of these chords, then, you know, something really amazing comes out and that I actually enjoy listening to most of the time. Right. And then I realized, okay, there is actually this composition that happens under pressure. You could say that's sort mm -hmm. of like, like I enjoy that a lot. And, and Oh, and, wow. That's yeah. That's a big, uh, I mean, uh, that's something that uh, you have to be, you have to have the gift for that, or maybe also the, the kind of mindset or ded dedication for it, or uh, you, 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 or you have to be fearless in some way uh, to yeah. do this. There is some, some, and I'm a, I uh, uh, sometimes, I, because I used to play uh, improvised music uh, every now and day, maybe this happens. Uh, a couple of times, maybe once in a year or twice in a year when there's completely improvised music and which I don't do so often. So then I maybe sometimes I, I feel un uncomfortable at first. I think of what's going to happen. And then maybe something bad happens. And then I see, oh, I already was expecting something bad would happen. But then sometimes something great happens and then it's better, even better. But um but in general, I would say I prefer to have um, to have a plan, a quite detailed plan, and leave yeah. 
leave some leave some spaces for improvisations to happen still to leave some open space because i think it's a little bit boring to have like a hundred percent everything is composed like from the, it's a little bit uh that's uh how do you say uh, uh that's a little bit um feige <laughs> uh, what's that yeah. feige, feige. Mm -hmm. yeah um people, it's, people it's, can look it up <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's um, not having the guts to to really mm. leave something open. Yeah, um, yeah. I like I like that, but uh, to leave things completely open, um, I don't feel comfortable doing too much of that. So it's it's I feel very comfortable having this detailed plan. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I always I think improvisation was always a part of. Uh, it's a completely different way of thinking, way of approaching the music, and I think for myself it was always nice to have both elements in it, or place this element of improvisational parts, open parts into into something that is composed. To have both, to have uh, evenings uh, like shows every. You have an element that makes each evening like a little bit different and. Uh, This is, I think, very exciting. Uh, yeah. Exciting part about music, and I also like to um, to practice improvising and, and to improvise solos. That's that's always been important to me as well. Yeah, yeah. I I think like the whole the, the reason why I mentioned this is because you were saying that for you the best thing is when you write something and then you learn it, and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and for for me is it's it's sort of like the other way around so i learn mm -hmm. to, write, to write in the moment and yeah and as you yeah. say it, it requires a completely different um practice you know like so it's yes. it's it's much more it's much more about uh from you know from my own perspective on my instrument it's about the movement of the fingers on the fretboard it's not even about the pitches it's not about what, what which notes there are but it's the like how you get from a to b right in the in the mm -hmm. and 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 how you can just so so for example and this may be interesting to you because with a touch guitar um there's currently there's a course and one of the um the big insights that i have had this year is that um what happens normally when when you learn an exercise for example is that because the body learns the the exercise by heart Right, so so with with uh, in German, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what what happens is that the hands or the fingers start preparing. Like even if you're not consciously preparing for the next note, subconsciously your hand kind of like knows where it's gonna go, and it means that that uh, this trajectory from note A to note B is something that sort of like is built into the practice of that exercise. What happens is that that exercise be really becomes something that becomes super static because, because you, you prepare. So there's more than just playing the notes. There's also something in between the notes that you practice, right? Mm -hmm. So now what I've learned for me as like, if I want to be like a free improviser, I should never prepare. Like any note, every single note I play should be like only that note, nothing else. No preparation. I don't want to know where I'm going to go after this note because I don't want anything to put me into any particular direction. I want to be free to go anywhere. 
And, and that has been like a big insight now about the technique where like how we can kind of like work on the basic exercises without preparing the, the next movement. And, mm -hmm. and so, so it's that kind of level that I'm practicing with, you know, like mm -hmm. where it's about really these, these uh, super fine technical details, um, you know, in, and it's very different from, from learning to play, like say, say tuplets and, you know, properly in time, you know, and stuff like that, which is something com it's completely different or, you know, but it's, it's about kind of like not, not knowing what's coming, going to come next and to feel totally comfortable and not having the body kind of like give a twitch into a certain direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally admire that. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I think I, I could, I'm, I'm totally different because maybe I have something There are some elements that are obsessive, compulsive a little bit. <laughs> For me, I need I need my rituals, so I need to have something that I do every day and do the same thing for a long time or what what did Alan Holdsworth say uh, one, once in a in an interview with a totally different totally different uh, thing Alan Holdsworth but I this I, I kept that uh, he was asked Alan Holdsworth was asked what do you practice uh, well I oh, how do you practice uh, well mm -hmm. well I take one thing and I do it for a very very long time <laughs> so that's what I'm also doing uh, I have exercises maybe I found an exercise and some of them I've been doing for 10 years now and uh, maybe developing it a little bit but basically I'm still doing this thing and um, I have my rituals and I am uh, yeah so um, a big part of how I'm practicing is Yeah, doing this same thing and, and perfecting it or imp improving it maybe and um, learning to use it um, mm -hmm. in, in improvisation, for instance, and um, learning to apply it in because I play different different uh, bands or setups or whatever. I, I, finding these things that I that are useful in different situations and then mm -hmm. use them. So, so I get better that way, and and I and I don't. It's it's even the progress is is very uh, hidden. I, I I don't notice a progress from maybe month uh, one month and the next month or one gig and the next gig. I just notice when I get back to like uh, there were like many some shows um, or before and after COVID. The, like the first shows after COVID. That I, like you, you did now. You did that tour, uh, but for myself, it was wow. Hey, I didn't play that in the last gig. I couldn't do such things. <laughs> I suddenly I realized, hey, I'm I got better. I, I must have done something. Something must have happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just realize it, it's it's the effect of time and persistence. Exactly, um, and it's. I think it's that long term, that long term uh, perspective. Let's say that really creates something super powerful. You know, mm -hmm. like again, this is another thing that I kind of start sensing in in younger people. Right, is that there this idea of instant gratification, like and but with music and and practicing a musical instrument, as you say, the re the power is in doing one thing. Uh, over a very very long time and to to find all the, the qualities within that one thing and to really 
get uh, you, you know I even believe that like the real the real personality of musicians lies in actually in what they practice right because you know it's like you know you are what you eat but you are also what you practice on your instrument mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> definitely yeah, but, yeah. It's the long, it's the long-term thing, which, and, and I think that, that is, that is really uh, fantastic that you, that you do that as well. And especially like when, when was Panzer Ballet founded actually, which, which year? 2004. So okay. it's, yeah, it's going, we are going to be 18 soon. <laughs> In January, we're going to be 18. Wow. Yeah. It's quite a, quite a time. Yeah. So um, one, you know, like um, maybe last thing for, for yes. maybe we, we, you know, um, what is your um, your knowledge about music theory and so stuff? Are you are, how, are you interested in that at all? Theory. Yeah, like what people call music theory. Are you are you interested in that? Is that something that you kind of like keeps uh, keep studying, or is that? Uh, Something that Only, has become just so just natural for me, for you to kind of like compose without thinking about theory. No, if I think um, I don't, I really don't um, study any music theory. I just study my instrument, um, mm -hmm. and um, I have some ideas. I said always was I have some ideas that I, I develop or I, I, I take an idea and I take it somewhere or I, I, I have one, maybe one single idea and I, I, I try things with it and develop them. And, and on, on that way, I, I get some, I found some tools over the years that I used to change these things, to adapt them to each other. And uh, they, these are my own tools. And of course, these tools are um, based on my knowledge on some music theory or what I studied in, in when studying jazz music or um, some, some arranging things. Uh, that, but that's, I mean, that's 20 years ago. And since then, there is maybe, maybe sometimes I, but that's not actually music theory. I, I have just, uh, I read some, uh, a guitar uh, or I watch some guitar video and someone explains something the way he looks at chords or whatever. I get some one new idea, maybe it doesn't take much. It just basically takes, uh, there are millions of ideas. It takes maybe one idea, single idea that um, makes one of your ideas that, that changes your view in just one maybe single way, something you haven't seen before. And mm -hmm. it, this opens some, some of these tiny little things, they open new doors. And it, because, because of that, um, you, you start looking, you can apply these little other things in, in a zillion way, ways because you already have all the tools and paths you go and you just apply this tiny little improvement to all of your ideas and it, it's a whole new if it's the right idea it um uh, it, it will take you in from in 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 a 
to to yeah it will take your how, how can i explain it 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 opens a tiny idea might open a whole new door because it changes your many ideas you already have in a way it affects them so you can try it out in many ways so that's what what and it has nothing to do with music theory yeah, uh, yeah. It, it could have something to do with it if you analyze it and what is this yeah, yeah. what was yeah, yeah. what was this guy doing actually you can think about but i never think about that i just think about these tiny little edits of your own stuff that open new doors and and that's the way i um And it's all about guitar. I never, uh, I, I never, I was never a p piano player. I don't, I, I, I would have, I would have, this would have been a good thing to, to do this more, get, get more, more knowledge about harmony, whatever. Um, but I always have my fretboard and um, basically in my heart, I'm still that, 16-year-old guy learning to play an ACDC riff. Um, just this riff became more complex and, uh, and I got more and more ideas how to change these riffs to something uh, more interesting or maybe more thrilling. And that's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. basically the way it all developed. Uh, I mean, uh, what I do is I play my own riffs, but they, they are, of course, they're not only riffs, they evolve and now there are complex buildings mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. basically the, the the feeling is still the same it's not i never thought to think about the theory it just uh, it just naturally developed yeah. over 20 years or 25 the 25 years that i play guitar it's constantly i got some some ideas from either studying jazz or uh, reading some guitar magazine or watching some guitar videos or asking a friend or a colleague, uh, hey, what do you practice? And maybe he has, he has an idea. So it's, I grab all these ideas and, and if I like it, I stick, I stick with it and um, get inspiration. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I totally, I totally get what you mean. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's like, there's, there was a time when I had uh, like a manifesto for, um, for my compositions and even like for the uh, improvisations of a group I had. And then the, the first rule was um, the manifesto was one idea is more than enough. So mm -hmm. there is, and the, you know, with the, with the, with the focus on more than enough. So that means like you don't even need necessarily need a new idea. You can kind of like work more with what you already have, right? There's mm -hmm. like, Uh, and like like this idea of like sticking with one thing for a long time so maybe look at another permutation or whatever like but but don't necessarily always believe that you have to have a new idea in order to be creative you know but but uh, you know it like it, it's it, everything is sort of like flowing anyway and and mm -hmm. as you say like there maybe there's one little discovery which opens a whole new world and and uh, yeah it's uh, yeah i think uh, Yeah, it's it's you know, isn't it great to be uh, uh, to to make music as art? You know, isn't it awesome? <laughs> yeah, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, not not to have to to make something that uh, satisfy satisfies a certain person or taste or whatever. 
Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And at the same at the same time, especially in your case with with Panzerballett, you in that in that process you you create your own uh, style or your own sound world, you know, and and it's it's just awesome to see this. And I mean, like people who have not um, heard you talk before, so they will be like, uh, you have this infectious energy, you know, of uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> love and obsession for music and. That's just the background light. It's so red, you know, like it's passion. <laughs> look, it's passion. <laughs> like this, yeah. this de devilish look. <laughs> hey, yeah. Wonderful. Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking yeah. the time to do this. And um, uh, I, would, I would love to talk with you again. Um, yes. At some point. Because there's would so be. much more. So much more, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So I, thank I'll, you. I'll, 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 I'll stop here. So um, okay. See, see you soon.